I run with a group of friends here, but I purposely do not do that every day. You know, there, there are group runs I could be doing all the time, but I always set aside two or three runs a week to run on my own because, yep. um, you know, that's where that mind gets flowing and, you know, I'll come back in and, and, you know, and without even realizing it, you know, the story ideas came to me out there on that run, you know? Um, so now I know I, I can learn to kind of, you know, clue in on that. Hooray Run Podcast, Episode 11. Freelance writer, 15-time marathoner, mother of two, Amanda Loudon. She joins me, James Rogers, in conversation. Amanda's work has appeared in Runner's World, The Washington Post, Outside Magazine, and ESPNW, many other outlets. Amanda also goes by the nickname Miss Zippy. And I asked her how she got that moniker right at the start of the interview. We also discuss the writing and editing process, the freelance writer's schedule, and the travel involved. We discuss how running acts as a medicine to help alleviate depression and addiction. We talk about Amanda's love for the trails, her marathon and triathlon background, her interactive coaching style. Also, what's her ideal writing environment and which runner would she love to interview? All that and more. Quick note, there was a slight recording error at the start of our conversation this morning. Easily fixable. I just had to make post-interview recordings to lead into Amanda's first answer, which again is how she got her nickname, Mississippi. And now, before we get to the conversation, my friend Mikey, a.k.a. Meeks Palmer on SoundCloud. Mikey, you gotta drop that beat for us. Joining me on the line now, writer, coach, mother, marathoner, Amanda Loudon. As noted in the pre-roll, Amanda's work has been featured in the Washington Post, Outside Magazine, Runner's World, ESPNW. Amanda's nickname, Miss Zippy, sparks curiosity. And in my prep for this interview, I discovered where that nickname came from, and I asked Amanda to tell the story. And it goes back to 1998 when she was training for her first ever marathon with her friend Mike. Mike gets the credit for the Miss Zippy name. And here's Amanda telling the story. He was really fast on the track when we would do our speed workouts. He was he was awesome. Um, and then when we were training for our marathon together, it was a first for both of us. We kind of discovered that when it came to endurance that I kind of thrived in that environment. So, um, toward the end of our long runs, he would get increasingly frustrated. Um, and, and, you know, cause I'd be pulling away from him. And so he would always yell out to me, you know, Hey, Miss Zippy, slow the expletive down. Um, so it kind of stuck, uh, you know, kind of as a joke between us. And, um, you know, I, I found that actually it worked well when I when I first launched a running blog. It was a you know catchy, easy to remember name. Um, it kind of works well as a freelance writer because I have to do a lot of uh, quick work. So, sure. <laughs> so 
yeah, so I kind of kept it. <laughs> Absolutely. And you, you said you started your blog. What year did you start that blog? Gosh, I think it was back in maybe 2010. Um, okay. And I shut it down maybe two years ago, I think. Yeah. Okay. And now you have your website with your about, your examples, contact. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just found that um, I, I really started the blog originally um, kind of as an entree into running journalism, and um, it really served its purpose, ran its course, and became almost cannibalistic to my article ideas, so I, I, I decided it was time to shut it down and, and have, have never really regretted that, so yeah. Sure. You write in your about section on your website that growing up you never imagined becoming a runner nor a writer. Right. And did your love for running come before this love for writing? Um, you know, I, I mean, if I look back on it, I, I really, um, I, I was always strong at writing in school and I had a mother who was a former English teacher and all that kind of thing. So that the seeds were there from the start. Um, and, and I actually started writing right out of college, but, um, but in different areas, not writing about anything that I loved. Um, so then, you know, like many runners these days, I was kind of an, an adult onset runner. Um, and so, yeah, that came second, I guess. Sure. Where did you go to college? Um, in Ohio. Um, okay. I, yeah, I grew up in Ohio. I went to Kent State, which is uh, well known for the shootings during the Vietnam War protests. So, mm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and did you go to Kent State for uh, writing focus? What was your major there? No, my major was international relations. And oh, really? I yeah, and then I not long after school, I, I moved east to the to the Philadelphia area, and and literally fell into journalism and and fell in love with it, and had awesome editors who mentored me along the way and, and taught me the ropes. So so no intention of becoming any sort of writer, freelance journalism while you were at Kent State. Not at all. Not wow. at least it even occurred to me. Yeah. <laughs> and you're located in Maryland now. Yes. Yes. Okay, how, did, how did you end up there? Uh, my husband's job. We were in Philadelphia prior to this, and then um, his job took us down here, and I kind of came kicking and screaming, And um, but it's turned out to be home for us at this point. So, Good deal. And you, do you remember your first freelance gig with writing? Oh, as a freelancer. I, well, you know, um, my first job out of college was actually writing for um, medical newsletters, and I was intrigued also by newspaper writing. And so I applied to be a stringer for the local newspaper and got the job and um, just just loved it. And I had this old school editor. I mean, he was, you know, to my like 20 something years, he was probably pushing 60, if not older. And just, yeah. you know, really just, oh, my gosh, I learned so much from him. And he was fantastic. So, yeah. And then the the running features and more health fitness direction, did that start uh, post-2010, like as you started your blog, or was that earlier when you started saying, okay, I want to get more into running features and talking about how exercise affects the mental being of us, and when did that health and fitness aspect come along? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that did start right around the time I, I, I started my blog because, um... I was waiting until my kids were in school and a little bit older, and you know I, I had steady freelance work um, in other areas um, that just didn't interest me that much, but it paid the bills and it was easy. And while my kids were young, and then as they got a little bit older, I decided, you know what, it's time to start switching and and marrying, you know, my my passion of running with with writing. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, sure. 
And as a freelancer, I'm always curious on the process of each project, each piece. Um, let's take your, your Dina Castor Day in the Life piece that you wrote for ESPNW. Sure. Uh, what is the initial interaction there between you and ESPN or you and Dina? What is the genesis of that piece? Well, so with, with every piece, you know, it, with, with, with my job in, partic- in, in general, it's yeah. a mixture of um, ideas that I pitch to my editors um, and, and, and assignments that they come to me with. Um, on that particular one, I had met Dina um, over in Chamonix, France, um, when she was running a, a race and um, loved her and um, thought, you know what, she'd be great for um, this particular um, column with ESPN. And so I pitched it to them and they liked it and, and we ran with it. And that's traveling out there to Mammoth Lakes area in California? No, that was all done remotely at okay. that point. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Which is, which is, you know, the story of, I mean, 95% of the work I do is all remote. Sure. Yeah. I was curious about the travel there too. And if there's paid travel for these trips or if you, if you did, you know, get to spend yeah. one day, just you and Dina Romer, yeah, shad- well, shadowing her in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, you know, for, for, a, there are opportunities to travel and go taking great, you know, trips and events. And, and the one, you know, one was this one that I mentioned over to um, Chamonix. Um, it was a, an ASIC, an ASICS event called beat the sun where they mm-hmm. ran um, on, on the uh, eclipse. And, um, you know, I got to cover that. And um, because Dina is ASICS sponsored, you know, we just got to hang out with her the whole time. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and her husband was there as her coach and as the coach of the, of the other ASICS athletes and um, you know, totally, totally cool. And um, that of course greases the wheels to make it so that I can shoot off an email to Dina Castor and say, oh, yeah. Hey, this article. So yeah, that connection. So, and you ran beat the sun, right? No, they had, they had us, they allowed us to run, um, a leg of it. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but we were there, um, a, you know, a, a pretty large press contingent there to, um, cover it for them. Okay. For, for various publications. Yeah. And Ryan Hall is there too. Yes. American record holder in the men's marathon. So you're there yeah. in the presence of Dina, who's the women's American record holder and half marathon record holder. And Ryan Hall, and they're tackling these trails, this 140-kilometer relay race, right? Yes, yes, crazy. Pretty wild seeing two of those. I mean, Ryan is in his early 30s still. Dina's 44 now, um, and they're their first attempts really at some brutal trail and terrain there. Absolutely, absolutely, and it was fun. I mean, fun watching the reactions and fun talking with them after. I remember Ryan talking about how – you know, some of the other runners um, were, you know, they, they gave him some poles to use um, as he went along. And he was like, oh, I'm not going to need these poles. And then he said, you know, he got out there and he was like, oh, my gosh. And he pulled out the poles and he was like, you know, what, what was I thinking, you know, denying myself this, this help, you know, prior to this. And so he was happy he had them once he got out there. So, um, yeah, very, very different experiences for both of them than anything they were really, you know, used to or comfortable with. I just heard on another podcast I was listening to the other day that revelation with the polls where it was like, you're pretty stubborn. I'm not going to use them. I don't need them. There's no aid here on the trails. And then once the, the subject used them, it was just a, it opened a whole new world on the trails. For them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Got to let the ego go away for a little bit there. <laughs> sure. Well, great connection to have with Dina. Have you contacted Ryan Hall at all post beat the sun? I actually did. Um, I did a piece, um, for outside that was, um, looking at, um, 
social recovery from, um, you know, racing and training and, um, and the benefit of it. Mm. And, um, one of the benefits was, um, you know, testosterone levels, helping them recover back up to where they needed to be. And so I kind of wove Ryan into that, um, you know, with, with his experiences and, um, you know, we touched a little bit on the fact that, that he, you know, is mostly a solo runner and, um, you know, I mean, who knows, he, he did everything he could to try to figure out why he had low testosterone levels, but, um, but you know, I mean, maybe it played a little role. I don't know, but it, it, you know, it certainly, it it certainly wove into the piece nicely. So yeah. Sure. And for a lot of these writings, I, I see on Twitter, you, you uh, just put a question out as one of your tweets, like looking for subjects for your writings. Does that happen quite often then? You go to Twitter or social media to try to find subjects for these pieces? Yes, it's a fantastic resource for me. Oh, really. absolutely. Yeah, I used to, I mean, originally I, I would kind of put it out on my on my Facebook page, but, you know, my, my pool on my Facebook page is so much more limited. And, um, you know, most of the people who follow me, I guess, on Twitter are, are somewhat you know, in the running environment. And so, um, yeah, I can almost always turn up a source, you know, when, when I need it on Twitter. Yeah. I like the, one of your pieces for, or many of your pieces for the post, but this one in particular about why writers should, uh, take up running and, and vice versa, why runners should write. And, and you talked about this, this, uh, retreat that you went to in Bend, Oregon there with yes. the wilder running and writing retreat. Yes. Tell me more about that retreat headed by Lauren Fleshman, as I understand. Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah, I went to, they've done three of them now that, but the one I went to was the original one, the very first one. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was honestly like one of the best things I've ever, ever, ever done. Um, it was just this group of, you know, about 30 women. We all just, you know, dropped our guards at the door. Um, and it was just this perfect combination of, you know, running, um, led by Lauren, um, and then, um, the writing portion led by Marianne Elliott, who is, yeah. um, yeah, an incredible writer and, and writing instructor. And, um, the synergies between the two, you know, the, the, the two ladies worked it out so beautifully so that they complemented one another. You know, sometimes we would go do, you know, one day particularly we went out and did this just spectacular, um, I don't know, it was like a 45 minute trail run and just we, and we weren't allowed to talk and we just had to go out and be with ourselves and run along this trail and take in the beauty. And then we immediately sat down with our journals and Marianne gave us some prompts and, um, you know, just really beautifully draws out, you know, the emotions when, when you do something like that. So, um, I learned so much from that retreat and, and I, um, you know, I've just, I, I was aware, I guess, maybe to a degree how much, importance there was in, in running to my creative process but um i think that really drove it home more than anything yeah sure. exposed it even more and that yeah that was a group of 30 women is that do they try to keep it at 30 every year do you know are they willing to accept 45 50 60 or do they try to keep it at a pretty tight-knit level there around 30 yeah i believe they're keeping it at a pretty small number like that um okay. The, the first two were, were that that was the, the focus and the combination and just females. They did one in August that kind of changed format a little bit. They brought in an, an improv instructor. And um, so it was less writing focused, um, but it had the running component still. It had, you know, this improv um, component of it. And, and it was open to males as well. So, okay. uh, yeah, a little bit different. Got it. You wrote a piece on Bend, Oregon, did you? Yeah. 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 Was that pre or post-retreat? 
No, that was closed retreat because okay. I just like, oh my gosh, I, I completely fell in love with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I found my retirement home, um, sure. you know, and, and yeah, I thought, oh, I, I need to write about this. Yeah. Yeah. And those connections, if you do ask why should runners write, why should writers write, just some quotes from that article just really uh, caused me to underline. I mean, it's this never ending process of learning. Um, you got to get comfortable with suffering, which as writers, we know that the block and just the angst that can cause both running and writing, uh, you Ugh. get, you get out what you put in. That was another yeah. great one. And then, yeah. uh, you, you said toward the end of the article or the final two paragraphs, you said you went into the retreat more comfortable with my running than my writing. And you say you're still in that space, but you learn to easily, uh, apply my well-honed running skills toward my running practice. I meant to say easily apply my well-honed running skills toward my writing practice, not running practice. I then asked Amanda to elaborate on the interconnectedness between running and writing, stemming from what she learned at the retreat. I mean, I think, you know, as a runner, I've been well-honed in, you know, daily practice. Not that I necessarily run seven days a week, but that you know, my, my, my seven day week is scheduled around my running. And even if I'm not running, if I'm cross training or something else, it's all, you know, kind of, kind of to benefit that. And so I think I learned at the retreat that, um, you know, you need the same kind of a, a, an approach to your writing. Um, and so I've definitely put some more of that into practice, you know, like I, I daily free write now and things like that. And I think about it, you know, just like with running, you're not going to make progress. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and with writing, it's the same thing. And, um, and, but, you know, as far as the interconnectedness goes, I mean, you know, it just, I, I write, I run with a group of friends here, but I purposely do not do that every day. You know, there, there are group runs I could be doing all the time, but I always set aside two or three runs a week to run on my own because, um, you know, that's where that mind gets flowing and, you know, I'll come back in and, and, you know, and without even realizing it, you know, story ideas came to me out there on that run, you know. Mm. So, um, so now I know I, I can learn to kind of, you know, clue in on that, I guess. So, yeah. Sure. And you also wrote for a competitor this, this the joy of leaving music and tunes behind on these solo <laughs> runs. And yeah. I'm the same way. When I go out, I just want that connection to either nature, to hearing sounds around, to just letting my mind go. And those were... Yeah. Just a few of the many reasons you laid out in this piece for a competitor. So 20 years of running, Amanda, never have ever put an earbud in. Not a single time. Never. I just, I can't, I just, I, I have absolutely no desire to. I just, I can't imagine how it would enhance the experience. I just think it would just make it, it would not enhance the experience. It would have the opposite effect for me, you know, and, and, and you know, I think you and I are, <laughs> I don't know if we're a dying breed or we're a unique breed with that. I mean, I think, you know, most people like to have their tunes. Um, And, you know, and I, that's great. Good for them. It's just not, it's just not my thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You you said at the end of that piece, you you understand you're in the minority, but just keep beating to your own drum. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Uh, This piece on Devin Yanko also, I assume was remotely done then. Yep. Uh, yes. Okay. And, um, and again, so these face to face connections, I met her at the Wilder retreat. Oh, did uh, you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to kind of, you know, get to know her a little bit and see what a cool cat she is. And, um, and again, you know, I thought, ah, we, you know, I need to do something about Devin cause she's, she's a, a, a cool person. So yeah. what a story, the background she has and where she's gotten onto the professional scene of ultra running now. It's, yeah. it's been wild gains. Yeah. What did you, 
a learn from her just in her running and her her life background at that retreat and then while you're putting together this article for REI what stood out yeah. to you about Devin and her character um you know she's she's a funny witty person um and and I think she's very introspective too and I think I think that's what I saw um from her at Wilder and um you know on a on a physical level you know she's She's clearly in her own league. Um, I always tell the story from from that retreat that we all went out for um, a group trail run that I think was around 13 miles, and um, Devin kind of headed off in her own direction while we did that. And I and I think she did a lot of the runs solo. Um, but uh, Devin was out. We we were back from our 13 miler, and I don't know. It felt like, it felt like maybe 15 minutes later, here comes Devin back down from her 20 miler. So. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah <laughs> she's no she knows what she's doing on those trails she's, she's got it down <laughs> yes sure. no yeah. doubt about it yeah yeah that was good timing with that article too right with some absolutely. successes she had on the trails absolutely because i think you know this spring you know coming off some injuries and things like that we you know i don't think she knew or any anybody else knew you know what she was going to be able to do this summer and um wow i guess she surprised the world so she really did yeah, yeah. You write pretty extensively on the connections between running, exercise, on mental health. You, you've written a piece, again, for The Post about um, uh, a woman who lost her daughter at age 13 yeah. and how she turned to exercise to quell her grief. You, you've spoken to numerous grief psychologists, doctors, other counselors. What has been some of the most noteworthy takeaways from those pieces when you learn about running or exercising and the way it can really cure depression, anxiety, and, uh, so, I mean, just subside the grief in terrible times. Yeah. What have you learned? Well, I mean, I, I will say like the, the, um, the origin of the grief piece came a little bit from my own experience because I lost my dad in January Mm. and, um, you know, I, I, I really, I mean, you know, the morning of his funeral, I, w- I was in Ohio and it was, you know, it was January and it was, you know, eight degrees and snowing. And, um, I got up at 5am to go out and run in the dark and run through the snow. And because I knew I was going to be able to cope with the day if I didn't have that. And so that kind of set me on a path with that. And, you know, it already touched a little bit prior to that on, on, you know, running with depression or anything, because I, you just, hear so many stories. I mean, they are just widespread about, you know, anecdotal stories from people about how much, you know, running can help pull them out of these, these valleys. I mean, lots of post, lots of postpartum depression stories, you know, a lot of women get started because they're in postpartum depression, for instance. Um, so these stories are out there. And, um, so I've been intrigued to, you know, to, to dig into that on the research level and, and studies and see what the, what's out there. And, you know, they're just bodies and bodies of evidence. And, and I'm going to going to throw out the caveat that I don't think it is a cure-all for everyone. I think there are definitely people who, you know, are still going to need some medication. They're still going to need some counseling, this, that, and the other. But yeah. exercise can be such a powerful way to fight back against these, these illnesses. Um, yeah. When you write a piece like this and you hear from the, the different subjects of these articles you have to that can be a boost for you too i'm sure in a time coping with your father's death and then um just needing running as an escape as you wrote in your uh music list yeah yeah. just knowing from these stories and hearing like you said the myriad number of people who 
have turned to running to escape depression or quell the grief. And that can keep you running for sure, putting one foot in front of the other every day. Maybe not every day, but definitely keeps you going yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. And I I think it's all these pieces I've done. Now, you know, I'm going to say I've I've been fortunate. I've never experienced depression or anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I think all of these stories and, and, and learning about this all, um, keeps it a little bit in the forefront of my mind, you know, if, if I am coping with something, you know, I mean, whether it's with my kids or, um, you know, the, the current political situation or whatever it might yep. be, when things are frustrating, you know, it's it's recognizing, okay, you know, go out and get a run in and, and you know, it's, it's going to at least help to some degree, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I, I know it just, it it makes me a much more even keel person, I think, than I would ever be. I think, you know, I probably would would never um, control my emotions as well if if I didn't have you know a run first. Yeah. Sure. So. <laughs> do you do you hope to tackle more pieces similar to those in terms of using running or exercise and escape and a cure? Yeah, I mean, I, I do really, I really enjoy those. Um, you know, I mean, also one I have never written about. I mean, it's been it, and one of the reasons it's it has been touched on a lot, but. You know, there are also a lot of these stories of, of, of addiction victories, you know, with running and, and you mm-hmm. know, like the back of my feet people and, and different things like that. You know, I love those stories. And so I wouldn't mind, um, you know, going down that path somewhere, you know, with, with some new research that, you know, that, that would maybe come out or whatever it might be. Um, so, yeah, I just I think it's a super, super fascinating um, area of study and, um, you know, we're such a pill popping society and, um, yeah, the yeah. more, the more we can beat home the, the idea that, you know, exercise and nutrition and things like that are medicine in and of themselves. I think it's, you know, that, that that's so much the better. So glad you're using your platform and you're writing to, to spread that subject and that importance of exercise and really starting off young and our kids too. And as we yeah. grow older, the importance yeah. of keeping the body moving for sure for sure thanks how many marathons have you done now i know you is it 15 is that i've done 15 yeah okay. <laughs> i'm pretty done with them um <laughs> i was actually i was supposed to run boston this year and um that was going to kind of be my like go out on a high note kind of thing and um for me um again going back to <laughs> going back to this intersection with 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 um you know grief and um and, and what it does to you, you know, after losing my dad, I, I found grief was rather physical for me. And I, I ended up with the flu in February, which just knocked me out for two weeks. Um, you know, and then a little bit later on, I ended up with bronchitis and it just Jeez. like, it, it just, it just, and my energy levels were so low. Um, and so I just kind of said, you know what, this is just not, I'm not going to force the issue. I'm not, it's, you know, asking for an injury or whatever else if I keep pushing through it. And I've experienced Boston a couple of times. It's fantastic. Um, all that, you know, and it just, it just, just didn't feel right to me. It's something, you know, like a, a younger, younger, um, my younger running self probably would never have made that choice. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I have enough, enough experience now that I can just, just say, you know, why am I forcing this issue? So, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so beyond that, you know, I think, um, I'm finding, I'm finding a lot more joy just in, in trail running and some trail races and, um, you know, some shorter things. I ran a half marathon this past weekend. I was out in Spokane and, um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, just things like that are, are, um, you know, a lot more fun to me than, than pushing through the marathon anymore. Yeah. Yeah. How'd the hat, how'd the half go? 
Well, <laughs> I, I um, so I was out there with the another mother runner group um, because I do some coaching for them, and yeah. um, it was their retreat weekend, and I really didn't treat it like oh I'm going to go run a race because um, I also had a friend who lives there, and um, it was and she's a running friend, and it was great to be able to go out and visit her. So I didn't really taper last week. I still strength train. I do all the things I normally do, and I knew a good portion of it was on trails too. Um, so anyhow, it was, I, I, I think I suffered a little bit more than, <laughs> than I would have if I had really like taken it a little more seriously. Um, and it was not the easiest of courses. And, um, so all that said, I still won my age group. So I guess that was okay. <laughs> so, That's a great yeah. takeaway. Congratulations yeah. on age group. Yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah, was going to ask if you were hitting the trails lately, cause I know you, you love hitting the trails, you love running, you love training on them. And I was just curious if you had been running more trail races now. Sounds like yeah. you are. Indeed. Yeah. It's, it's, I just love it. I absolutely love it. And I, I guess if I had a complaint, it's that I don't have we, I mean, we have our share of trail races here in Maryland, but not, it's not like, I don't think out West where, you know, like they get to run trail races, you know, every other weekend and, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, um, so I would do more of it if I, if I had, you know, more races at my fingertips, I think. Sure. Yeah. First marathon was 98. Yeah. 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 Was that was- just steady progression going from five K's, 10 K's halves to full, or was that, uh, influenced by a friend, family member? What made you get after it at 98 for 26.2 miles? Well, um, I actually, I, I kind of came into running through a back door. I was, I started out in triathlon, not, not, and, and that was not, and not, I had no experience in any of the sports, but I started out in triathlon, um, and, um, really enjoyed triathlon. And I, um, signed up for the initial, um, Ironman Lake Placid back in, which was 99. And so, with an Ironman, you know, staring me down, I, I thought, well, I better try a marathon before I um, go run an Ironman. So that's what that was. That's how that one all came about. So okay, yeah, because yeah, yeah. I read too that you you ran the very first Ironman Lake Placid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The inaugural. Which, yeah, which is which is really cool because it's such a great race and great environment and yeah. yeah. When did the coaching bug get at you? I know you started in 2010 coaching. When did, what year did it start kind of bubbling up inside of you that you wanted to uh, guide the running of others? Yeah, you know, I I guess um, through my running club probably initially because we have a lot of different um, training programs and, um, and I, and I help coach, you know, with, with um, kind of like as an assistant coach and kind of learning the ropes with some half marathon and marathon training programs. And then I went ahead and got the RRCA certification. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think a lot of it came from just seeing, um, you know, when, once you've been at it for a while, you kind of start seeing some silly mistakes that are common out there. And, um, you know, I, I wanted to help people along with, with avoiding some of those, those mistakes. Um, and, um, yeah, so I guess that's that's kind of how it came into the fold. And I also thought, you know, I mean, writing about it, it's good to have a little more credibility to my voice. And, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, so so another way that kind of intermixes in everything that I do. Yeah. How many athletes do you have now? Uh, well, the, right now, the majority of what I'm doing is through the train like a mother um, groups. Yep. So um, yeah, so we've got I, I oversee three of their plans: um, a 10k cool. marathon and a marathon, and um, I, you know, I'm not really sure what the numbers are, um, in there with each plan. It's a lot. Um, and I, you know, connect with them through a private Facebook group and, um, answer their questions. And, 
you know, and like I said, last weekend we got to go out to Spokane and, and, you know, get to know some of the ladies, which was nice. So yeah. Yeah. You described your coaching style as interactive. Tell me more about that. Yeah. I mean, I, I always feel like, um, you know, a coach is only as good as, as the feedback they're getting from their athletes. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, one of the things I like people to do is just do a weekly check-in with me, um, just so I can see, you know, okay, here's what the plan said. Here's what I accomplished. Um, and, and then you can, you know, tailor things forward from there. Um, now with the big, you know, train like a mother plans that doesn't happen because those are just, you know, kind of, you know, written out plans ahead of time. Um, but I will work with the gals, you know, when they need, help to, to tweak things here and there. But, um, you know, when I'm doing more one-on-one training, that's definitely my approach. Yeah. And they, are they leading up to races with this training plan? Is that what your, what your focus is when you have these three athletes? Are you like the 10 K's? Is that, is that athlete training for a race down the road? Yeah. I mean, they have, um, they start them in, 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 in different waves. Um, so, you know, based on like the, the, the ladies pick a target race and then, you know, so say the, the marathon plan is an 18 week plan. So then they start, you know, about 18, 18 weeks out from that. And, um, but the, but the train like a mother, um, group does have certain target races that they, um, you know, where they're going to, you know, encourage the masses to show up. And so for instance, I'm going out to twin cities tomorrow because, um, there's a, yeah, that's one of their, that's one of their target races. So there's a whole big group of, of those ladies coming out to twin cities tomorrow. So, um, I'll be there to, take them on a shakeout run on Saturday. And then we're doing a, a panel in the afternoon, kind of a, a run your best race kind of Q and a session. So yeah. Those are fun getaways. Just. Yeah. Yeah. Um, together yeah. to coach an athlete and having a weekend together. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to have that face to face when everything else is, is pretty much virtual. So yeah. Traveling quite a bit then that's part of your schedule. It is, and I I I like it and don't like it. I mean, I um I'm I I'm somewhat introverted, and um mm-hmm. you know I mean, which I guess maybe that that attracts a, a person to the freelance lifestyle when you work from your home. Sure. Um, so sometimes it's a, it's a, it's slightly draining on me just for that, just like that whole being on kind of thing is different. But um, but I I do I do love to travel. So um, seeing new places is great, and uh, yeah, I can't complain about that. Yeah. <laughs> Back to that remote writing style and what goes into each article. So this, again, I'm just taking the Devin Yanko article where um, you have a deadline for REI for the website it's going on. And then do you, because you're a mother of two, you have a lot on your plate balancing so much with the social, with the exercise, with the writing, with the kids. Um, Is there a time while you're writing where you just have to close off from everything, lock yourself in a room? get out on the road, go to a coffee shop. What's your preferred writing environment when you really got to crack down on a piece? Yeah. My, my actual preferred um, environment is my house. Yeah. Um, and you know, my kids are, they're in school all day, you know, during the, the nine months of the school year. And, um, so that is definitely when I do my writing and, um, I, I like to be as productive as possible before noon. Um, so that then I can kind of shift focus a little bit in the afternoon and, and, you know, tackle, you know, like, I don't know, whatever it might be, carpooling or, um, things around the house. And, um, and then I try to set aside, um, a, a day, usually it's Fridays where I try not to write too much and just on Fridays, just, you know, get on my administrative type work, you know, cause I, I mean, invoicing and, um, following up on pitches and things like that. So I, I, for me, that's what I find, you know, helps a lot. And, um, 
you know, and I have to, <laughs> um, I do love Twitter. And so I have to be yeah. disciplined, you know, like with things like that, like, you know, I'll find myself in the middle of an article and be like, okay, I'd love to go, you know, this, just check in on Twitter for a little break and I'll have to say, no, you know, get, you know, get X a, amount more written. And get then a quick get, news fix on Twitter. Yep. Right. Right. And so I'll, 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 you know, like try to be stern with myself and, and say, you know, just finish up this ma- amount of, of writing and then you can have a break and, and, consider Twitter your tweet, your treat, you know, so <laughs> those incentives, the little incentives you need when you're, when you're writing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool. Um, so you're, when you're finished with the piece of writing and say you're submitting it to runner's world, um, then it, do they connect you with an editor from the site or from the publication? And then you're in touch with the editor before it goes live onto the site? Yeah, um, you know, I mean, every publication has its own system, and they all vary to um, to a degree. But um, yeah, for the most part, you know, you've got you've got your assigning editor, and you're going to turn it into them. And um, you know, they might be the one who edits it, or they might have someone, you know, just someone who's you know strictly de- dedicated to the editing. Um, with the Washington Post, you know, they the editors go through it first and send back their questions to me, and I make the changes to that, and then it goes on from there to copy, um, you know, the copy desk, and then yep. they do a quick copy, copy edit and, um, and then it goes live. So, um, yeah, yeah. So there's, you know, a variation of, of that process with each, with each publication. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then the media added to each article. So again, the Dina Castor day in the life, is that a ESPN photographer going out on site with Dina to get photos for the piece? Or is that just um, like a connection Dina has? And she says, Hey, ESPNW, you can use these photos for the piece. Yes. And in, in her case on that one in particular, um, that and I, mean, I don't want to butcher her last name, but Sarah um, At, At Atar Atar. Yeah. That really, what, yeah. But she's she's the the um, hijab wearing um, runner. She had taken all those photos of Dina. Um, I think she'd been out there for maybe it was like getting ready for for Dina's book launch. I think maybe that's what that set of photos came from. I can't remember, but um, so you know, it, it, generally, you know, I go right to my source and ask them for photos. Um, and, and that's what we do in, in most cases. Amanda is a mother of two, a son and a daughter, and I asked her about her kids' running pursuits. Your two kids, they're both yeah. they're both runners. Yes. To a degree. Yeah. To a degree. Um, so my son, he's sixteen, he is um he is very, very, very soccer focused. And so he will run to enhance his soccer. Um, he really doesn't like it, but he's he, <laughs> He's actually, he's really good at it. Like if he wanted to apply himself to running, he he would be phenomenal, okay. um, you know, but that's just not his, not, not his ball of wax and that's fine. Um, we had a, a year, I think it was when he was in eighth grade, he had a friend whose mom said, Hey, would you mind taking Tommy out and, you know, and, and teaching him to run a little bit? He could use the exercise or whatever. So I started running with this, this friend of his, um, twice a week after school, he'd come over and okay. then my son jumped in too. And so, and then a third boy jumped in and so for the, all of his eighth grade year, it was really fun. I got to go out and run, you know, like run this three mile loop with these boys after school. And it was so much fun. I mean, they were just, they're just, you know, teenage boys are, are funny. And, um, and, and I really enjoyed that. Um, my daughter, on the other hand, she, she's also a soccer player. Soccer still going to, still her main sport, but, um, she does like running and she, um, so she's, she's 12, almost 13. And, um, she's, run um the last two years she's run our local 10k which is in the spring um you know and dedicated herself to training for it and everything that that's been a lot of fun to, cool. to kind of watch her 
yeah, kind of watch her blossom and, 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 um, and she does girls on the run and I coach it. And, um, so she's, she does girls on the run 5k twice a year. And yeah, so I don't know where, you know, where it'll all lead. Um, you know, you have to let kids, it, it has to be driven from them. Um, so, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> but the, the joy it brings to you as, as a mother and having that opportunity and, 2014 going back a few years but for runner's world you were able to write about the joy that your kids bring to you and how that affects your running and then how you could offer advice to other parents on um, nurturing their kids through running as they grow older and the steps they can take to make it fun and enjoyable talk about that writing you got to do back in November 2014 yeah yeah um yeah I mean you know just kind of through my own um, trial and error with my own kids you know coming up through the years I've kind of learned what works and what doesn't work. And, um, and, you know, and I've got, um, a, a friend in town who's, a he's been coaching, um, you know, cross country and track and, and a youth running club for years. And so I've kind of followed in, you know, his guidelines over the years, um, on how to go about it too. And, um, so between all that, you know, I've kind of learned what, what seems to work and what doesn't work. And, um, you know, it's, it's funny. I've had every kind of race experience with my kids. I mean, I've had ones where they're, <laughs> where they're, they're screaming and shouting and yelling at me and frustrated and I'm not allowed to talk to them or step a foot in front of them or step a foot behind them or whatever else. I'm doing it all wrong, you know, to those times where, you know, like my daughter's first 10K was one of my, my favorite races ever where she just, gosh, she just fed off the energy of the crowds and she, you know, ran this really beautifully executed, executed race, you know, beautiful negative splits. And just, you know, it was, it was, I was so proud of her and it was just so much fun to be next to her throughout that whole, whole experience. Right so on. yeah, those are, yeah. Mem- those are the memories you take along for the ride. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. One, one of your rule of thumbs that you wrote in that piece, you said, uh, keep the kids training and racing distances to no more miles than their current grade. So for instance, you said, top out at a four miler for a fourth grader. I thought that was pretty sound yeah. advice there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I will say that that came from, from my friend, um, Phil here in town, who is the, the youth coach. Um, that's, that's always been one of his guiding principles. And, um, he's, he's got two girls now who, you know, run, run at the elite levels in college and, okay. um, and yeah, yeah. So I think it's pretty sound advice and it seems like it's, it's been a, a good rule of thumb for my kids too. You know, mm-hmm. um, my daughter mentioned, I don't know, a, a year or two ago, something about going longer than, than a 10 K and, and you know, at her age, I'm not letting that happen, you know? So um, yeah, that'll have to wait. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah. Gotta be patient. Yep. Yep. Definitely. That's what you, that was another thing you said. Um, what is the most important, uh, or best skill you can have as a freelancer? You said was patience. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> patience that, you know, editors are going to get back to you. Um, you know, uh, all, all those things that, 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 you know, I mean, I I've learned, you know, that, you know, you've got a pitch and you, and you send it out and, you know, you might try three or four publications before it lands, you know? So, okay. um, yeah, <laughs> you need to be patient. <laughs> are there times when you're juggling three or four different pieces of writing or are you pretty much? Oh, yeah. Fo- okay. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, like right now, I think I've got, I've got four deadlines next week and, yeah. um, you know, but I mean, I only write one at a time. Um, you know, like I won't start my next one. Like I started one today and I'm halfway through it and I, I will not start the next one until I finish this one. Yeah. Um, but I, but I have all my notes and everything assembled for those. And, you know, and as a freelancer, you've also got to be, if you want to be, you know, productive, you, you've got to be in the midst of developing your pitches while you're writing as well, you know, mm-hmm. or else you finish all your writing and then there's nothing left. So, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Tell me about another Mother Runner podcast and what your role is with the podcast. A pretty big following, um, several, many hundreds of reviews on, on the podcast app on iTunes. Uh, how did that form? And, and again, how often are you featured on these episodes? What's your role with another Mother Runner? Yeah, so um, so Sarah Bonachet, who um, is one of the founders of Another Mother Runner, um, uh, she uh, she's the podcast host, and she always has a co-host. Um, so um, I don't know, probably about a frequency of about once a month, um, I'll go on and co-host with her. And um, it's generally, you know, we're interviewing another guest on on whatever topic it might be, you know, a nutritionist, a um, you know, strength and conditioning coach, or you know, a myriad topics. Yeah. Um, or, or sometimes, um, you know, she'll bring me on both as co-host and, um, you know, an, an, an area expert. Um, so, you know, if it's, you know, like a, putting on my coaching hat, um, you know, one of the other roles I play for them. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so we'll, we'll cover topics with that. We did one, you know, this summer talking about, um, not getting too reliant on your technology. Um, cause that's one of my, <laughs> that's one of my little, um, you know, pet, pet uh, projects out there. Cause I feel that there is too much of a reliance on technology these days. And, sure. um, yeah. So, you know, we'll, we'll tackle different topics like that sometimes. Yeah. Got to dwindle the screen time. Yes. Yes. I, I agree. I think, I think we're only hurting ourselves with too much feedback from yeah. technology when it comes to training right now. You know, and you think, I think it has its place and it's time. Um, but I don't think it's every run. <laughs> so no. yeah. Yeah. I thought another cool article topic you were able to, to get after was you got to write about one of your vacation spots in the Adirondacks um, yeah. for outside magazine. Yes. Oh uh, no, that one was for the post. That was just, Oh, that last... was for the post. Okay. Yeah. 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 You that tweeted was... about it and you said that it, it was, you're capturing and writing about your favorite vacation spot, but it proved to be surprisingly hard to you. What made it so difficult? Um, well, <laughs> there's a little bit, there's a little bit of a story on that one. So I yeah. had originally pitched it to, um, the post and, um, and wrote it up last January. I did it, um, you know, in a typical reported fashion. And then as I was turning it into the editor, something about, I mentioned something about, you know, going this summer again or something. And she's like, wait a minute, you know, <laughs> you're, you're going to go back this summer. We need to do this as first person. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Oh, oh yeah. Scrap the whole thing. And, you know, start over from scratch. And so, um, yeah, I think I'm more comfortable as a writer with, um, with reported pieces, um, essays and things are, are a little bit out of my comfort zone. I always love landing an essay because, mm-hmm. um, because it is a stretch for me. Um, but so, so this was, you know, this was, it, it made it so much more personal writing about it. But, um, I think as a writer, I do find that when you have real emotion involved in a topic that you're writing about, it it actually will bring out some of your best writing. So in the end, I was really pleased with how it turned out. Yeah. Great. Yeah. When did did that one hit the site? Um, just a couple weeks ago. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, um, I was there in July and, um, came back and, and wrote it and then it, and it just finally made it through edits and got on. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. I have a few quick hitter questions here to round out the conversation and okay. you, you, it doesn't have to be a one or two word answer. You can elaborate if you need more time. Um, I'm just gonna, I have a list of about six or seven and we'll, we'll start getting after those right now. Um, okay. 15 marathons, which is the standout marathon? It can be in terms of just how you felt, it could be in terms of your personal best or scenery, 
Um, out of those 15, is there one standout? For sure. It's my first. Um, yeah. And- yeah, hands down. And it was this tiny little 300 person marathon, um, in, in Baltimore County. Um, but I just went out, felt fantastic, ran a BQ. I mean, it just, everything about it, like, was just like, it was just a, a dream day. And I had my friend, Mike, who, who, you know, names me Mississippi and, and mm-hmm. we did, we did indeed run the first half together and then I pulled away. So, <laughs> so it played out just like our training run. So it was just there a great day. Yeah. Yeah. What's your shoe of choice, training shoe of choice right now? Uh, at the moment I'm running in the new balance 1400. Um, I'm finding that I have a little bit of difficulty finding the right training shoes these days because I don't think the common profile is my profile. So mm. people, people are really into cushion these days. Yeah, I, are. I do not like cushion. So, um, you know, there aren't, there aren't as many shoes that don't have all that extra cushion. Yeah. Do you run with the GPS watch or are you more just start, stop, basic kind of watch? Yeah, ninety percent of the time I don't have my GPS. Um, yeah, yeah I, I this morning I threw it on because I did my long run this morning and um, and I was just like running into town and meeting up with a friend and didn't know what you know routes we were going to do or whatever else. So I stuck it on just so I knew where my miles were. But I don't ever look at the pace, so yeah, I don't care. <laughs> What's your post workout meal of choice? Yeah, it's um I well I run um in a glycogen depleted state always. Um so that means I get up and I drink water and I walk out the door and I don't supplement along the way. So um I like a big breakfast when I come in and so um I, I love to make a big smoothie. Yeah. Um smoothie and coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In your about section on your website, there's a super scenic photo of you running, looks like on a bridge. Super yeah. nature scene. Where is that trail? Where were you running that day? That is about a mile from my house. Um, Ooh. yeah, we have, um, one nice thing, you know, I live in the suburbs, but we have 90 miles of running paths in town here. Jeez. Um, yeah, so I can just run all over the place and I have a friend who is a professional photographer and he, <laughs> he looked at my website one day before those photos and he's like, do you ever think about getting new photos for your, for your website? And I was like, Oh, maybe. So yeah. So we shot that together. <laughs> Jumped on board for that idea. Yes, Indeed. absolutely. <laughs> Looks like a beautiful run. I was wondering if that was near your home in Maryland there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Cool. I asked Amanda if she could cover one runner in an article, who would it be? Oh my gosh, is that hard? Because I feel like I have written about so many fantastic, fantastic runners that I really admire. You know, I've never interviewed um, Des Linden, and I think she would be pretty cool. I really admire everything about her, so I think she'd be pretty cool. I yeah. said that to someone on a previous podcast here on Hooray Run Podcast. I just said I'd love to get Des Linden on the podcast and just dig into that mind of hers. And yes, she's pretty yes. witty too, but she's just got that competitive fire that you just want to. You want to what, what makes her tick? I'd love to have yeah. her on the pod. Yeah, that, that's a great that's- answer. Yeah. I mean, and she's so low key and humble too, you know, she's just not flashy and you know, you have to appreciate that. Um, you, you are, you say you're a book lover. Um, yeah. and you say you, you've raised a couple readers, which definitely warms your heart. Um, yes. Do you yes. have an all time favorite book? I know that's, that's a tough question at times, but if you have a go-to, let me know. And then what are you reading right now? Okay. On the go-to. Wow. That's really tough. Yeah, uh, it can be a few if a few are jumping up in your mind right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I definitely love Angle of Repose by Wallace Stegner, which is from the 70s. Okay. Um, Catcher in the Rye, definitely way up there. Of Mice and Men, definitely way up there. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah. Um, and I get excited because my son's a junior and he gets to read some of this stuff now and I get so excited about it. But um, <laughs> um, what am I reading right now? I am reading Commonwealth by Ann Patchett, um, which okay. I picked I picked it up in the airport last week because I left my book at home that I was in the midst of and I started that one and I'm really enjoying it. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. You, you tweeted in July that uh, you had seven tabs open while working on a piece. Uh, what's your, is that your personal record for most tabs open at once? Do you remember uh, which piece or how many tabs did you have open that you're just, you looked up and you said, all right, we got to get to X and out of some of these. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember what piece that was, but definitely I remember that moment and I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is dangerous. You need to, you need to figure out something here. Um, so yeah, I do. I, that's actually something I try to be conscious of that, you know, I don't have too many tabs open because I think, you know, that, that getting your work lost in the midst of all of that is probably a possibility. <laughs> so. I just always, I'm pretty aware in college and in, in tough assignments, if I ever got over four, it would just drive me nuts. I thought I can really consolidate here. Just I started, yeah. I started pinning tabs because on, at least on Chrome, you can pin tabs and it just shoves them all closer. It really reduces the size of like the open tab. So pinning the oh, tab nice. really helped me out in many circumstances. Yeah. Um, yeah. I should check into that. <laughs> yeah. Just right click on the tab and you can pin it. Mm -hmm. Nice. I like it. Um, you you ran a half last week. Do you have any uh, race on the horizon that you're gearing up for at this time? Well, so here's my dilemma. I um, yeah. I, I have a, a a favorite 8K cross country race um, that's about an hour from here um, that I haven't done in a couple of years. The timing hasn't worked out, so I was all set to do it. It happens to fall on my birthday this year. I'm all I'm all pumped. Oh, and wow. so so back to these press trips. REI has invited me to go away that weekend on a three-day backpacking trip in the Smokies. Whoa. Um, yeah, so I'm kind of thinking, well, I don't know. The race the race will always be there. I can always wait another year. <laughs> um, but, I, but I'm kind of sad about it, too. So I'm not really sure. I, I, that, that'll be my next race if I do it. Um, and then beyond that, um, maybe the Philadelphia Half Marathon. So, okay. Yes. Yeah. How close are you to Philly? That's about two hours from here. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Do you see yourself in Maryland for the long term? No. Um, okay. I, I like it. It's a great community that I live in. Um, it has so many things going for it. And I really love, um, I don't know, it's a great cultural fit for me. But um, but I really love the West. The mountains call me. Mm. So I, I definitely want to head out West afterwards, you know, after after the kids are gone and we're retired. And, you know, that that's definitely where I want to want to go yeah sure. and get rid of the humidity for crying out loud maryland and its humidity is just yeah. oh brutal what's the life out of you <laughs> is the is fall the season of choice then for running outdoors activity there oh my gosh i think it's perfect and yeah. we, we still haven't really hit it i mean we just when i did my long run this morning it was still i went outside it was 80 degrees and huh. you know like 100 percent humidity, ridiculous miserable um but it is cooling down right now so i'm hoping this weekend um well i won't be here but i'm hoping in the next week you know we're gonna have some of those runs where it's like upper 40s low 50s you know those beautiful crisp fall morning mm -hmm. runs yeah yeah anywhere out west in specific a dream spot bend oregon maybe or are you looking for colorado or california <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I definitely consider Colorado, too. Um, I'm not a super winter person, but I think winter is different out there than it is here, you know, so you can use winter more there, I guess, than you do here. Um, so maybe Colorado, maybe Bend. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard. I definitely put a lot of thought into it, um, like probably more than I should still at my age, but <laughs> I guess it's what I dream about, you know, is getting out there somewhere. So, yeah, I'll figure it out. <laughs> 
A day in the life of Amanda Loudon. So after this podcast, what's on the schedule for you today? Yeah. So at this point in time, I'm probably going to be shutting down, you know, for work. I'm pretty much done with work for the day. Okay. Um, and um, the focus becomes, um, well, my, my son's at soccer practice, but the focus becomes my daughter and kind of like um, following behind her and, and cattle prodding her to make sure she's doing everything she needs to do for the day. Um, and, and, you know, getting, getting dinner cooked and getting her off to soccer practice. So, um, yeah. And then hopefully winding down with a book and, and hitting bed by nine o'clock. So, I yeah, okay. I hope, I hope it doesn't happen very often anymore with the age of my kids, but um, <laughs> in my dream, world, I'm in bed by nine every day. <laughs> do you, do you ever get hooked on a television show or Netflix or you, do you try to avoid that at all costs? I don't watch a ton of television, um, but we did just add Netflix last year, um, yeah. and like Stranger Things, I'm totally into that. Oh. Can't wait. Yeah, can't wait for October 31st. Season two. Yeah, um, and, um, and and I did get into This Is Us last year, so yep. that premiered this week. I haven't seen it all yet, but I've seen parts of it, so yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, and that not much more. I really, I'm, I'm not a big television person, so yeah. Yeah. Another tweet. From late June, um, I'm just wondering if you if you've solved the mystery of why people don't swim while it's raining. <laughs> and you got some responses to that tweet too. I know, I, I people chiming in. It just makes me laugh. And no, I it's still it's still a mystery. Uh, I think it's one that we'll never figure out, right? I mean, I just, <laughs> it makes me laugh. I I, I I don't know. Like I I have these great local pools and. Um, some of them open up um, in early May, and they actually just closed last week. I was really—it's a sad day for me when the when the outdoor pools closed. Yeah. Uh, but um, but yeah, you go on a rainy morning, and it's just you and the lifeguard. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I read that one, and I just I paused, and I kind of looked up, and I thought, hmm, I'm going to give this a couple minutes of thought here, and then I was looking at the responses <laughs> to the tweet too, and it just it triggered yeah. my thinking. Yeah. Funny. Um, <laughs> any advice to aspiring freelancers? Or a freelancer who is currently freelancing but hitting a obstacle, a roadblock right now. Yeah, I mean, I think you know the story idea part of the equation is probably the hardest. Generating your ideas is probably the hardest, and um, it's it's definitely like when you're in a groove, you're in a groove, and there are going to be times where you're not in a groove, and I think you have to ride them out um, and and just have faith that you'll get back in that groove. Um, and then the second piece of advice would be, um, you know, pitches, pitches matter, like have great pitches, go, go, go in prepared to that editor. And that's going to up your odds so much, um, mm. for getting your story landed. Yeah. Okay. What's the next Amanda Loudon piece we can expect to see online? So I'm working on something. Well, I just had a piece go up yesterday on motive running on supplements, okay. whether or not runners should take them. Um, and then, um, the, what I was just writing before I talked to you is, um, I don't know if you're familiar with, um, this whole experiment that Matt's, Matt Fitzgerald is going through right now, but he's, um, he's a very good runner. He's, um, and for people who don't know, you know, he's, he's a nutritionist and author and, and, you know, widely publicized, um, author on running nutrition in particular. Mm -hmm. Um, so he's 46 years old and he's a very accomplished marathoner. He's got a 241 PR, but that was, okay. I don't know, that was like eight years ago. So he, has embarked on this whole experiment this year. Um, he's training in Flagstaff with the Hoka Naz elite team. Oh yeah. And yeah. So he's just, he's, he's like in residence with them. He's living the entire elite lifestyle, um, to see what he can do at the Chicago marathon this year. So, Whoa. um, yeah, so I'm writing that right now and I, and for mode of running and, um, 
you know, be, I think it'd be great to get it up right before the Chicago marathon. So we'll, we'll see, you know, if we do, but, um, yeah, yeah. I always like that those experiments of going to train at high altitude or with an elite training group. So I, I will definitely keep my eyes for that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very cool. His experience has been, been pretty neat. And I think also enlightening for him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be yeah. at Chicago too. Um, oh, are you, are you yeah. running it? No, not running. Just we'll be okay. spectating and taking some photos and roaming around a bit. Nice. Yeah, cool. Um, social media to plug, Miss Zippy, Amanda Loudon. Give us uh, Twitter, Instagram, if you have a Facebook page, and then your website too. Let us know. Yeah, I um, I definitely do not. I don't have a Facebook page anymore. I had one for a while when I had my blog, and yep. it's just not my my good cultural fit. Like I said, I love Twitter. So Twitter it is, is you know, at Miss Zippy1. Um, and then um, Instagram also, at Miss Zippy1. And, you know, I'm sporadic with my Instagram these days. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, and then my website is um, my name um, Amanda Hyphen Loudon dot com. Yeah. Okay. And there again, you can find Amanda's archived writings. You can uh, see the quick about section and and contact information there. Amanda, I appreciate this almost an hour uh, for taking out of your your Thursday morning here. Um, Hooray Run Podcast. It's a treat to have you on. And again, we'll be looking forward to the. The next few writings and many more in the future. We just appreciate your work and we just hope you can keep grinding on and keep posting to outside Runner's World, ESPNW, The Post, wherever it may be. We'll be keeping our eyes open for your writing. Thank you for the time this morning. No, thank you. It's, it was all. It was my pleasure and, and a lot of fun. A little bit, a little bit different out of uh, the, the normal day to day operations. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. All righty. Thanks again for listening to Hooray Run Podcast, Episode 11. Many thanks to Amanda Loudon for taking the time. Really, I encourage you to check out her writing. Go to her website, amanda-loudon.com. Click writing samples. Boom, there you go. Hooray Run on social media. There's a Facebook page. Instagram is going. That's just Hooray Run, one word. Twitter is at hooray underscore run. Hoorayrun.com. The podcast, it's on SoundCloud, iTunes. Go to the podcast app on your phone. On the iPhone, it's that purple icon. Podcast, search Hooray Run Podcast. Subscribe, tell a friend, recommend. It's on Stitcher. Still hoping to get that on Spotify too. And we will see. I hope to get some sort of Chicago Marathon-related podcast out by next Thursday, let's hope or Friday. Many thanks to Hopeful Utopian. That's my friend Matthias Mekis from high school. Hopeful Utopian. So happy you're here is the song you hear at the start of this podcast. Thanks to Matthias and as always my friend Mikey aka Meeks Palmer for the intro outro beats you hear. Be faster at the start. And the one that takes us out here at the end is Daylight. That's by Meeks Palmer. Episode 11. Shout out to Devin, Booker, D-Book, Phoenix Sun Shooting Guard, 